is a week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Colin Stone. And I'm Natalie Crawford. This week in the Weege, a crowd crush at Celtic Park left fans fearing for their lives. Music returned to the Pavilion Theatre for the first time since the Victoria's nightclub fire. Don't send a man to do a woman's job. Scotland's women have qualified for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plans to tackle mental health in schools unveiled in the programme for government. This is a week in the Weege. Just a quiet week in Glasgow then, Natalie. Something like that. Let's start with the crush at Celtic Park. Too often there's been over-aggressive policing uh, in the past. I think that's got to change. And for that to happen, the Justice Secretary needs to intervene and set up an independent review of policing of football matches. When I was in underneath the tunnel, it was very quickly apparent that uh, there was something far wrong. There was nobody moving. There was more and more people coming behind me. I could feel myself being moved by the force of the people. I've attended a lot of football matches. I've never been scared. I realised how bad it was when I was halfway around. At this point, I couldn't go back the way. I couldn't go forward. We couldn't move. There was people pushing us from behind. Then, of course, there's people coming from the other direction. They're all pushing us 10 minutes before the kick-off, so everybody's panicking to get in. This is a stadium that is used to hosting crowds of this nature, so I think serious questions need to be asked about the policing of yesterday's match. And it was only when the fans were screaming at the police to do something that something actually happened. They're oblivious to it. I don't understand how they're oblivious to it, but they appear to be oblivious to it. I've been going to Celtic Park now for, for a long number of years and I've never experienced that at Celtic Park or indeed any stadium. It was a terrifying experience for everybody involved and, and there has to be something uh, looked at. Okay, Colin, so we have both seen the videos. Rather scary-looking scenes. Absolutely, Natalie. And the, the, the thing is, there's no big questions that need to be asked of both Celtic and the police and how they arranged the... Well, I mean, how essentially they got the fans to the ground. And the major change here is that Rangers did not receive the same ticket allocation as they have in previous years. I mean, in uh, in years gone by, it was always about seven, 8,000. And then due to various you know, ramifications and decisions both clubs uh, made over the, the last few months, Rangers were only given 800 tickets or there, there or thereabouts. And so for their own safety, police opened a specific route for the Rangers fans to go down, which meant that the Celtic fans, the home fans, you're talking 56,000 people were funneled well, some of them certainly, into a very specific part of the ground underneath the North Stand around Janefield Street. As you say, some really scary uh, images and, and, and footage emerging from that. You had people scaling fences, scaling, you know, 12, 15 foot walls to try and escape the crush. Uh, I spoke to David Meikle there, a journalist. He was uh, he was there as a fan and he said he was lifting young children up onto people's shoulders because they, they simply couldn't breathe. I mean, frankly, yeah, you're right. Questions do need to be asked. Uh, and this could have been a hell of a lot worse. This concept of, you know, escorting fans, small groups of fans to grounds, we see it all over the world, particularly in away matches. You know, we've seen it recently in the Euro- Europa League when Rangers and Celtic have been going abroad to games. It's not uncommon. So why did it this time end in this crowd crush? I mean, frankly, I think you need to be discussing why in today's day and age do we still need to close off streets and have specific escorted routes for fans. I mean, are we really at the stage where fans are still, I mean, as we have seen actually this week, attacking each other, stabbing each other. This does still happen in 2018 in Glasgow, which I think, frankly, is just very, very sad. But this is the reality that the police 
and stewards should have foreseen and you know the, the talking to the fans there many of them said the stewards and police had no idea what was happening and and no decisions were being made and and, and people were were standing there and yeah as you say there were five people were injured one man fell off a wall and you know other ones were were treated treated before they got into the game but um yeah it's i, th- I think really it does come down to this new ticket allocation and yeah, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a, a long time, I think, before. I mean, the next old firm game's not for a, for a little while yet. But you'd like to think lessons will be learned and quickly. So the club and the police have met. What happens now? Well, as you say, yes, they met on Tuesday, and uh, I think from there they both kind of said, you know, both the club and police said uh, that it'd been useful, and they'd kind of figured out a few things. And now the police were going to go speak to some of the supporters' clubs. Uh, I spoke to one of the uh, supporters' clubs, the Celtic Trust. Uh, earlier today and they said they're still not entirely sure when that meeting is going to happen but it will happen Uh, I think they are just keen to express their own views to the police and the police will listen and take everything on board as I say when the next old firm comes around these scenes you know god forbid uh, should not be repeated again it's a week in the weege on to a slightly brighter topic, although it is still Celtic related. The pavilion reopened after the Victoria's nightclub fire. The first performances of Celtic the Music will take place this week. Colin, you covered the fire extensively. Yeah, I am the go-to fireman uh, for, for Radio Clyde. For anyone who doesn't know, every single fire there is, I'm there. I do not start them, I must put in that disclaimer. <laughs> no. Let's just talk about, first of all, the pavilion. This is five months since the Victoria's nightclub fire. Five months that they've been out of business. Uh, and, you know, even things, as you mentioned, the Celtic the Musical is the first one back. It has its first show uh, just this past Wednesday. And for them, it's been a real horror show for the last half year. Absolutely. Um, let's just hear from the general manager, Ian Gordon. I spoke to him earlier this week. Sense of cleaning. One of the, the bad areas to clean was backstage. Um, obviously, in high areas, um, there was a lot of dust and stir and, and dirt, but we, we had to get rid of it because it was contaminated with smoke and things. So that was probably the worst area. Uh, and then just the auditorium itself was smoke and dust. And, and again, we had a lot of water damage um, with uh, that storm Hector. Uh, so clearing up after that was a big job, but we've managed there. And we're, we're on the final stages now. Uh, and being in the final stages, is the next challenge kind of letting people know that the, the pavilion is back? I think that's it. I think every, I think I think the audience are waiting to see when we opened. I think there was that kind of because it's been since March. Um, seems a long time, and and for people it seems a long time. And I think they just needed that sort of positive attitude of yes, we're open now. And I think when as soon as we get the first show, and I think things will take off. You know. Uh, and what's been the most challenging part of the last eight weeks? Dealing with the council. <laughs> But we won't talk about that anymore. I've, I've done my moans about the council and I, and I think we just need to go on now. But it, but it has been hard. Communication from, from all aspects of that, especially early days. And I, I think the art school people are still suffering from it. Um, but we need to move on now and we'll just forget about that and move on and let's do the panto. Well, you'd like to think the crowds will give uh, the pavilion and the, the shows that come back a, a warm reception, but I don't think that's the right choice of words. No, definitely. What's just definitely happened. Definitely not. I really feel for them because the pavilion have had a really rough time of it the last few years and as Ian mentioned there they had some severe issues with the council and that's a story for another day uh, but I mean first of all I, I think he always will credit the firefighters for saving the the building in the first place it's an A-listed building it's one of Glasgow's most iconic ones and you know as I mentioned the spate of recent fires I mean it's, we can't really afford to lose another one uh, but it's great to see it back and as you mentioned as, he, as Ian mentioned there 
the Panto is really the next big thing on the, on the horizon. They've got lots of individual shows, uh, but I think once people, as he said, as once people realise it's open again, after half a year out, it will kind of go back to the way it was. And I think that's what really people have been, and they have been missing. You know, he said, you know, they're show people, they live for these performances and to not have one and to be relocated in, you know, a business park in the northeast of Glasgow for the best part of three, four months uh, whilst the cordon was up around the building was just really difficult for them. And I think it's it's so good to see them, ever, everybody back in. And the building, I had a look inside, looks amazing. They've really done a, a fantastic job and they've managed to do a few other things, which I think had the fire not happened, they wouldn't have been able to do. So all in all, a good news story for once. A week in the week. For the first time in 20 years, Scotland are going to the World Cup. The women's team's victory over Albania, coupled with Poland's nil-all draw with Switzerland, secured the Scots' place at the finals in France next summer. Natalie, how big is this? just generally for sport and and for football in Scotland. To be honest with you, Colin, I only really have one thing that I want to say about this and Beyonce says it's so much better than I ever could. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, the people I spoke to in Glybank would probably echo that sentiment and say, you know, the women have done what the men have failed consistently Why to do. send a man to do a woman's job? Okay. Right, in all seriousness, this is absolutely amazing. It's a tremendous achievement and I really, really, really hope it encourages more women and girls into school into sport because that is what we need and we know that there's been a massive drive for that the squad touched down to what can only be described as a hero's welcome at Edinburgh Airport and Hope Webb caught up with Jane Ross who scored that winning goal against Albania Amazing Um, yeah it's definitely a first to come off the plane and be greeted by so much media Um, but yeah it feels amazing and we're all over the moon I guess not something you're you're always used to coming out the doors no, to. No, definitely not. The flashes were a little bit like, oh, okay. Um, but no, yeah, really cool and great to see so much media attention around the achievement. What have the last 12, 24 hours been like for yourselves to kind of come to, to terms with what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a dream come true, um, but a little bit surreal at the moment and I think it'll take probably a few days to sink in properly. And for yourself, I mean, winning goal, what does that mean to you? I can't actually put it into words right now Um, and as I say I think it'll probably take a little bit of time for it to sink into what it is we've actually achieved here but um, yeah it's always nice to get on the score sheet and be able to help the team in whatever way I can. Cloud nine is that how you would describe (laughs) it maybe? Yeah no definitely Um, yeah we've worked so hard as a group to achieve what we have and to be able to do it and to be heading to our first World Cup next summer it's amazing. I'm just going to interrupt you your train of thought right here Natalie I know you're going to talk about girls running worlds and all this that the next thing I will stick my neck out here and say I think the media's treatment of this story has come out of nowhere because frankly let's be honest here nobody really cares about women's football I know that's maybe something you're you know an unpopular opinion but no one is ever going to care until the media start caring okay and yes okay it took Scotland's women's team getting to a getting, world cup exactly for them to start caring but the only way is up now and the only way we're going to encourage more women and girls into sport and and lift the profile of women's football as if the media cares and yes it might have have taken this but at least it's happening now and let's not poo poo all over it no no absolutely not I think it's an incredible achievement and the fact that yeah the women's team have done it and yeah arguably are showing up the men here but 100% like there's it's not arguably like without a doubt (laughs) it's also the fact that 
yeah, okay, sure. The media have only just suddenly been like, oh, oh, wait, Scotland's reached the World Cup. Oh, it's the women. That's fine. We, I know we've not really mentioned it before, but yeah, here we go. Off to France we go. But you could argue it's because the audience doesn't care that the newspaper readers, the television watchers, the people listening to the radio don't really care because it's women's football. And I know that's not fair and that's not the way it should be. No, there's been a massive push to get yes, there has. more women and girls into football recently. Can I just say, on the back of that, BBC Alaba are showing Scotland's games. If people really cared, if people really wanted to see it, wouldn't that be BBC One, BBC, BBC Two, BBC Scotland? No, it's a Gaelic channel doing Gaelic commentary because the audience is, just isn't there. I think I think you're wrong and I think it is because I know from what we do here that any time one of our sports reporters goes and covers, you know, a Scotland's women's presser or tweets something or puts an article up, it gets interaction. People it does. do care. And that's the reason that, you know, you've got UEFA's Together We Play Stronger campaign and you've got the SFA's Our Girls, Our Game campaign. That's why these things are happening because the momentum is there. The momentum is behind women's football now. Okay, well, that's that's fair enough. But uh, I'm just giving you advance warning. Next summer, it's going to be a lot of, you know, turning on the TV, going to Channel 7 or 8 and hearing That might very well be the case. But the, the momentum is there now and people do care. I know they care because I've seen it. Our own sports reporters who, of course, football in the West of Scotland is absolutely massive. We talk about two teams, but they care. So, I mean, if they care, then the people that they're talking to care because, I mean... Well, as I say, as much as I am playing devil's advocate here, I'm being... absolutely are. Very, very cynical, I think. But this is this is so good for the game. It is, exactly. It's so good for young women to be able to, you know, they're sitting in their school right now and, and they're in school teams and they're like, yeah, but why am I really doing this? What do I have to shoot for? That's what they've got to shoot for, you know? And I'm I'm all for ghetto power and equality and, you know, if if they can, any ghetto can. It's as, it's as simple as that. Hashtag this girl can. Hashtag every ghetto Colin. This is a week in the weege. Okay, and just finally, the other thing that happened this week, the Scottish government unveiled its programme for government. Um, it set out its plans for, for the next year. 12 new bills. This This is the Scottish government in Edinburgh. Yes, that this, affects us all. Uh, does it affect people in it, the Weege? It affects people in the Weege, it affects people all over Scotland. Do tell, how? Okay, so 12 new bills, like I said. Uh, you've got your budget bill, you've got your family law bill, non-domestic rates bill, loads of different pieces of new legislation, which are a wee bit dull and a wee bit dry, but one of the most interesting things um, to come out of what Nicola Sturgeon said this week um, is a package of new measures to tackle mental health and Schools and this really seems to be what people have latched on to. So it's sixty million pounds, and that's going to pay for three hundred and fifty counsellors. That equates to a counsellor in every single secondary school in the counts in, in the country. Okay. So this is obviously there's been a lot of focus on child mental health over the the last year or so, and it's a really big problem. We all know that there's not enough support in schools, and this is the Scottish government turning around saying, "Okay, we see that this is a problem. Here's two hundred and fifty million pounds to fix it." Okay, so that's all well and good coming from the Scottish government. Do you think really the onus should be more on perhaps the city council, who perhaps could have taken the onus here and almost got ahead of the actual kind of the national body? Say, so, yes, this is what we're going to do. Could the city council have said, actually, no, we've already got this covered here? Well, it's the Scottish government that gives them the money to do these kinds of things. That's very true. So, <laughs> the Scottish, oh, obviously, this is them 
take, taking the power out of the council's hands and saying, do you know what, no, we're going to do this. Here you are, a councillor in, in every scale. And I spoke to Joanne Waddle earlier, who is a, she's a, she's a mum and she's a mental health campaigner and she is a councillor and she genuinely believes that this is going to change lives. It's going to save lives. That was her words. It's going to save lives. There's also another £30 million which is going to be invested in school nurses and teachers are also going to get more training to identify mental health issues and, and kids will get fast-tracked to the help they need quicker. It's a week in the weeds. Well, that almost brings us to the end of the show. But before we go, let's find out how good our Glasgow geography is as we play We're in the Weeds. Yes, every week one of us will take a turn to guess what part of Glasgow in the West the other is talking about based on three simple clues. Yeah, simple. If we get it right in the first clue, it's three points. Second clue, it's two. And third clue is one. I think I gave you one point in our yeah, kind of uh, so previous I failed, episode. I failed epically last week and I think I scored a measly half point. Ah, you're right, it was that point. On a technicality. So <laughs> it's my turn for revenge. Let's go, let's go. Colin, and just grab my notes here. So, this place has the highest concentration of listed buildings anywhere in the country outside of Edinburgh. Ooh, Colin, where a, am I? That's an excellent statistic. Ta-da! And this, this is an area of Glasgow? It's in Glasgow in the West, which is our broadcast area. Okay, okay, really narrowing it down. Let's go for first guess Garnet Hill. Uh, Disappointing. Okay, you ready for clue two? Clue two, here we go. The train station here is the fourth busiest in the country. Uh, Colin, where am I? No, I'm just, I'm going to show off here. So, number one, busiest in Scotland is. Edinburgh Waverley then you've got Glasgow Central then you've got Glasgow Queen Street uh, is it Paisley Gilmore Street? Ding 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 yes! ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Two points oh. well done and I never even got to my third clue and it was a good one What's the third clue? Okay so Paisley hosts the biggest beer festival in Scotland I did know that I actually went so there once So you would have got this and I tried to like be all hipster and try the fancy sounding that beers that sound like you. I couldn't pronounce <laughs> and they were all just no it's one of these ones where everyone's like mm, yeah that's a great beer and I'm just kind of like slyly spitting it to the side and pretending I like it Okay so <laughs> at the end so, of that sorry, the score was... is two points to half a point So just to clarify the, the answer was Gilmore Street or just Paisley? Paisley Or just Paisley generally? Paisley yeah. Fine, fine. Paisley. Okay. Yeah, so two points to Colin. I'm sitting on half a point. The less said about that, the better. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, Natalie, you will get your chance uh, next week to see if you can uh, bring up that measly half point. But as you say, I think that's probably us for today, yes. isn't it? A Week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weege. Join us again next time for more on the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. Indeed, Natalie. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on Week in the Weege.